baby changes everything in your life. Anybody who's ever had a baby knows exactly what I'm talking about. And no matter how much you prepare, you're never prepared for how hard it is. Do you realize that you're going to change 2,000 diapers in the first year alone? <laughs> yeah, or, or you're not prepared for how glorious it is when your baby smiles at you and absolutely melts your heart. And everybody loves babies. I don't care who you are. Even little boys love babies. There's a little five-year-old boy by the name of Johnny who, who wanted a baby brother so much that he went to his father and he said, Daddy, you know, I'd like to get a baby brother for Christmas. And his dad kind of thought on his feet and he said, well, I'll tell you what, Johnny, I'll make a deal with you. If you pray every single day for two months, then I think you might get exactly what you are wanting. So Johnny's like, oh, right. So he's on it. He goes to bed that night. He prays. He goes to bed every night and he prays, prays and prays and prays for about 30 days. And then he gets a little suspicious. He checks the neighborhood, asks around a little bit, finds out that nothing like this has ever happened in the history of neighborhood. Praying for two months and all of a sudden, whammo, you get a baby brother. So he quit praying. About a month later, Johnny's mom uh, went to the hospital, and when she came back, went into a room, Johnny's dad called Johnny into the room, and he walked over, and beside his mother was this little bundle, and, and his dad pulled the blanket back, and Johnny peers in, and there's not one baby, there's two. <laughs> and the dad looks at Johnny and said, now, Johnny, aren't you glad that you prayed? And Johnny said, uh, yeah, Dad, but aren't you glad I quit when I did? <laughs> That's so good, so good. Well, Christmas is all about a baby, and we are celebrating the baby, the baby that changed everything. We're actually finishing up a series we've been doing. It's called In One Moment. And we've been reminded that there are certain events in human history that triggered a shift in the way the world worked. And all of these events happened when one person made one decision in one moment and everything changed. A priest nailed his 95 Theses to the wall of All Saints Church and it sparked the Protestant Revolution and everything changed. An astronomer began to champion the idea that the sun was the center of the universe, not the earth, and everything changed. An African-American woman decided to keep her seat on a bus, and it started the civil rights movement, and everything changed. There was a Catholic nun who refused to believe that one person couldn't do something about suffering and poverty in the world, and everything changed. A family got a puppy for Christmas. And everything changed. And maybe that's going to happen to you this Christmas. And, and so we've been kind of reminded that Christmas is all about a moment that God gives us that changed everything. And on this Christmas Eve, the question that every single one of you, every single one of us has to ask is, will it change me? This is where it gets personal. So I want to take us back to uh, let's call this a moment of truth. And when we talk about a moment of truth, it's one of those things that are like, man, the decision you're going to make here is going to affect a lot of things and a lot of people. You see, the Christmas story doesn't actually start oftentimes when we think it started. 
It, it doesn't actually start with uh, an angel making an announcement to a young virgin and her fiance. It doesn't start with the shepherds. It doesn't start with the magi. It doesn't really even start on earth. The Christmas story actually begins in heaven. Did you know that? See, if you really want to understand this master plan to save the world, if you really want to understand the depth of God's love for you, then you have to go back to the very, very beginning. One of the gospel writers, John, put it this way. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So John starts his Christmas story by establishing that before the universe began, before there were angels or any other created beings, there was this thing called the Word. And, and he wants us to know that the Word was and is eternal. No beginning, no end. Always been there. And you say, well, what in the world is the Word? Whenever you see the Word in the Hebrew Scriptures, it's associated with the kind of the activity of God. It's whatever God is doing. But John does something really different here because he assigns personality to the Word. That's different. And what he's telling us is the Word is a person. Now, you've got to hang on to that because this is going to come very, very important as we go further on. This person then... This Word is the eternal Son of God. And that's what makes this moment of truth so significant, so significant that it baffles the minds of every angel in heaven. And there's no actual record of this in, in the Scripture, but I have to imagine that this is how it played out at some point. And so I want to take you back, way back, millions, maybe billions of years before anything actually began on this earth. And God, Father, Son, the Word, and the Spirit, they put all the angels together and they said, we've got an idea. We're going to create something. And the angels are like, whoa, what is it? And God said, the human race. The human race, well, what in the world is that? And he says, well, it's going to be really different from you. They're going to have uh, the capacity for incredible good, but also the capacity for great evil. They're going to have free will, and they're going to be able to choose. I'm going to start with two of them, and then from those two, after that, there's going to be a baby. And a baby's going to take 24-7 care. It needs you really, really bad. But here's something about this creation. This creation is going to grow and get older. It's going to become a two-year-old. And, and, and it's going to develop language. And this two-year-old is going to start saying things like, no, and mine. And it's going to bite other two-year-olds. And then all the angels are kind of like looking at each other. They don't want to catch the eye of God, but they're like, whoa, what is he going to do here? And then God continues and he says, but then they keep growing and, and they become adolescents and their, their eyes and their ears and everything gets attached to these electronic devices, but their language, it continues to evolve and they start saying things like, duh, and whatever. And the angels are leaning in. And they keep growing. They get, they get bigger than that, and they actually become a teenager. And 
I'm thinking about giving them this thing called puberty. And it's going to make them act like they are from another planet for a number of years. And it's going to get really crazy. And they're going to get very sullen. And they're going to kind of withdraw. And they're going to get really, really inwardly focused. And then finally, they'll become adults. And they're going to become solidified in their independence. And everything that they picked up along the way as they were growing up, all their fears and all their insecurities, it's going to push them away from us. And they will be separated. And, and, and then God, he kind of pulls back the curtain of the timeline of human history and he shows the angels, Adam and Eve, choosing their own way. Israel, turning from God to idols. Nations in our current context that are warring over money and power. Consumers who care so much about their own comfort that they let starving children die all over the world. And then he showed them you and, and me. Every attitude, every action where we rejected God's word, we distorted his plan, we went our own way. And the angels are like, whoa. And then one brave angel kind of raised their hand and said, how will they ever get back to you? And all of heaven was silent for what seemed like an eternity. And then the Word, the eternal Son, said, I'll do it. I'll humble myself I'll leave the glory of this place. I will go down there and become one of them. I will become a baby. And I will grow up as a man and I will live a perfect life and I will suffer and die so that I can pay the payment for their sin and that one day they can be brought back into harmony with us and they can live in a new heaven and a new earth where everything is going to be the way it was supposed to be. And in that moment, everything, everything changed. The moment the son decided to humble himself, we had hope. And we needed hope because the world had become a dark place, still is. And, and you know why the world is so dark? Because there's a little bit of darkness in you and a little bit of darkness in me. And we don't like to think about it that way. We like to think that darkness is brought into the world by pedophiles and murderers and drug dealers. But the reality is, every time I think I'm better than you, I put out a little bit of darkness. Every time you manipulate to get your way, you put out a little bit of darkness. Every time we hurt each other with the words that we speak, we put out a little bit of darkness. Every time you refuse to let in that jerk who's driving down the emergency lane on the freeway and now he wants to cut in front of you, we put out a little bit of darkness. But that's a little bit of darkness I'm willing to live with, right? When the sun in eternity past looked into the future, he saw a little bit of darkness in each of us. And that is why he decided to make the choice that he did. And the scripture says, the one who is the true light, 
who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He's going to pierce the darkness. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. That was no surprise. He knew that was going to be the case, that the very ones that he would come for would look past him, would reject him, would ultimately crucify him. But it didn't matter. He still decided to come. And then one day in space and time, the eternal son who had this plan that had been put into play in eternity past, in space and time, in real time, the word in the words of the apostle John, the word became human and made his home among us. Whoa. That's Christmas. That's the incarnation. And really, the mind-blowing part of the Christmas story is that it shows us something that we would never figure out on our own. This, This God leaving heaven and coming to earth, it's so strange. You see, the hope if, if you realize, it began in heaven, but it was born on earth. It, it wasn't just an idea that would be up there. It would come and, and make his home among us. Th- this whole idea, this, it's not intuitive, this stepping down from heaven to earth. If you think about this, it really doesn't make sense because we know how the world works, right? God's up there. We stay down here. That's just the way the world works. But in a moment in time, in a moment of truth, the eternal son said, that's not the way that it works anymore. And he humbled himself and he became a baby. A very different, a very unique baby. There's a lot of babies that are born every single day. Do you guess how many babies are born in the world every single day? Just shout out a couple of numbers. What do you got over here? 100,000? 500,000, 200, about 400,000 babies are born every single day. And somebody needs to tell that mother to stop. I'm telling you. But not one like this. Only one. The creator became created. Almighty God became a fetus, an embryo. What? This changes everything. And it shows us something about God. You know, people wonder about God. What's he really like? It shows us that God isn't just up there. God's willing to come down here. God isn't just a judge of sin. He's offering himself so he can be a savior from sin. God doesn't leave us on our own to deal with our broken condition. He actually comes among us as Emmanuel, God with us. This is how everything changes. And so the Son of God decided to leave heaven and come into 
the world that we know so that he could know our pain, he could feel our struggle, he could die our death, he could rise from the grave. And right now, he is on the right hand of the Father and he is waiting for his moment of truth to become our own. For this Christmas to happen to us. By the way, he didn't have to. This was a voluntary act of love and humility. But it tells us something about uh, the moments that God has given us, that there's always a choice. There's always a choice. And, and you have a choice, and I have a choice. And, and, and I, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, how we decide to do what we do with the moments that we have been given. Okay, I'm going to get a little scientific with you, so stay with me. Um, you see, there's a part of our brain that's called the amygdala. Now, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's kind of the animal part of your brain. It's the part that processes very, very raw emotion like anger and rage and fear. And most of the time when uh, kind of impulses come into our brain, it goes to a place called the neocortex. That's the thinking part of the brain, and that's a good thing, okay? But about 5% of the time when an impulse comes into our brain, it goes past the thinking part of our brain. And the, uh, the neocortex, the thinking part, is actually short-circuited. So what, what are you talking about? A mom is in the grocery store, and she has a three-year-old beside her, an 18-month-old in her shopping cart. Need I say more? You know what this is like. And as she's going down the aisle, the three-year-old grabs a bottle of cereal and says, I want Lucky Charms. And the mother says, no, they're not good for you. Put it down. I want lucky charms. I want lucky charms. Right about that time, the 18-month-old who's been holding a jar of jelly throws it out and it smashes all over the floor. What happens next is what researchers call an amygdala hijack. It's happened to every one of us. The amygdala takes over the thinking process in her mind and she grabs that little three-year-old and starts dragging that little three-year-old down the aisle and the little three-year-old, he's screaming, let me go, let me go. But she can't let him go because she's suffering from what uh, researchers call cognitive incapacitation and we've all visited that land, haven't we? We've all been there in that moment. Now, in your brain, this is how this kind of thing works. Uh, when an impulse forms that says, say this, or uh, lift a finger, uh, it, it starts up here, and then it travels down to that part of your body, wherever that is, and it takes about a quarter of a second for that to happen. A quarter of a second. In between the brain activity right here, that says, this is what I'm thinking, and the, the body activity, this is what is supposed to happen, the hand is going to move, the mouth is going to speak, is what researchers, actually one researcher called, get this, the life-giving quarter second. The life-giving quarter second. That's the quarter second between um, the impulse that happens in your brain and the action that happens in your body. You say, quarter second, you know, that's nothing, but in the mind of the brain, in, the, in that world, it seems like an eternity. It is that quarter second where God can actually intervene and override your impulse. 
a quarter of a second. So you're in a discussion with your spouse and it starts to get a little heated. And this seemingly helpful thought comes into your amygdala. You're just like your mother. And you have a life-giving quarter second to ask, God, should I say that? And depending on who you're married to, this could be the difference between life and death. (laughs) A life-giving quarter second. And now you come into a moment like this where you hear a baby changes everything. And, and, And you're giving your own moment of truth right now in this moment. You see, when the Son of God humbled Himself in heaven, everything, everything changed. But will it change you? See, you can't blow this moment off. This is where this becomes so much more than another Christmas Eve service or another talk that you heard somebody teach And if you're a follower of Jesus, um, this question goes to you. And you can let it change you by deciding to follow Jesus' pathway. Don't just be a believer. Be a follower. Do what He did. Humble yourself like He did. Serve others like He did. Sacrifice yourself like He did. This is how you find yourself in the story. Or you say, well, I'm not even a Christian. Okay, okay, glad you're here. Glad you're watching. For you, you can let it change you by giving your life to Jesus. And, and, and don't let this moment pass by you and don't waste this moment because we all know how this works. You might not get another one. And so God is inviting you into his story, and he's, he's reminding you that, that Jesus, the Son of God, he humbled himself in heaven, and he came to earth for you because he wants you to have eternal life. It is a gift, but like every gift, like every present that you're going to receive, every one that's under the tree, it is not really owned, it is not really yours until you take it out from the tree and you unwrap it and you embrace it and it becomes your gift. The same thing is true for salvation, for eternal life. You have to receive it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, it, it's really simple. It came at a great price, but it's really simple for you. You simply pray, Jesus... I admit that the darkness of my sin has separated me from you. Nothing I can do about that. I believe that you humbled yourself in heaven and you came to earth and you suffered and died to pay for my sins and you rose from the grave. And I choose in this moment to place my faith in you as my Savior from sin and the leader of my life, Jesus I give you my life. And if you prayed that prayer with a genuine heart, I want to welcome you to the family of God. I'm telling you, you got the best Christmas gift you will ever have. And let's give everybody a hand who made that decision.
If you made that decision, we want to walk with you. So go to zerfath.org, hit that little button that says my decision. Let us know that you took that step so that we can help you take the next one. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your humility and your love, both of these so incredibly powerful that allowed you to choose earth over heaven, us over yourself. For those who just entered into this reality this evening, thank you that they now have the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life that changes everything. And for those of us who already knew, who already found ourselves in the story, that we entered it just a little deeper today so that everything that you are is everything that we desire to become. May we choose this life-giving quarter second to change everything. We pray in your name. Amen.